forward to Palm Sunday worship. It's one of our favorite, favorite things of the whole year. We look forward to glorifying your name and marching Thank and singing you. praises to you. God, come now in your Holy Spirit. This is your word. It's alive and active, able to save us. chapter 16 looking at the timeline Mm -hmm. here we're doing the bowls the last portion of God's wrath so the the trumpets were the first portion of God's wrath and then uh, we're in the middle of these bowls seven bowls and they're rapidly poured out boom 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 and that brings God's wrath to a close with or really close to we'll see if I might get into it uh Confirmation class is right on top of where we're at. I'm a little bit ahead now, so it's been kind of like meshing gears in my brain uh, where we're at. So pray for that WD-40 in my brain that it works well. So what else we got here? So we've been through, we got through the first five bowls completely, and we were kind of in the middle of the sixth bowl last Sunday. So let's go to my illustration just for a quick review. Which one was that? Okay, so first bowl soars, second bowl bloody seas, the saltwater bodies were all wrecked, then the freshwater bloody rivers, then the scorching sun, then the darkness over the kingdom of the beast. And the sixth one we just finishing up, right? in the middle of it, um, it dried up the river Euphrates, so that's showing the river stopped and dried it up. So to make it easier for these armies from the east to come to uh, the Battle of Armageddon, to make it easier for them, so kind of feels like, sounds like God saying, okay, let's get this over with. Let me help you guys out. Um, comments, questions into chapter 16. Pick it up, I think, at verse 12. If you like the illustrations, we do have a new one. We'll probably get into it today. It's pretty wacky looking, but... All right, chapter 16, verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. So that sounds specific. I mean, it is specific, right? So they're going to come from the east. And we get the impression here that it's it's just kings from the east coming against Christ. Uh, later on, we hear that it's armies from all over the world. But apparently, they, they all come from the same direction from the east, which makes a little sense because, I mean, what's to the west of Israel? water? Yeah, Mediterranean Sea. So if you're going to attack Israel, you either come from the north, the south, or the east. Um, on this occasion, they're going to come from the east through Iran, Iraq, and so forth. Um, yeah. So they're coming from the east, verse 13. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, 
out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets, so all three of them. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. They go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. So one thing we didn't talk about specifically was, why in the world do you suppose these particular demonic spirits look like frogs? Is a frog a scary thing? I mean, just we might expect it to look like a scorpion or you know something nasty and painful or whatever, but they look like frogs. Any clues on any ideas on why these miracle-working, deceiving uh, spirits and they their message is send all your troops because we're going to come against Christ. We're going to go we're going to go toe to toe with Jesus. says spirits, demonic spirits, they do miracles, so I'm not sure that they would need mechanical stuff to, to help with that, that function. Yeah, I don't, I don't, know, I don't think there's an answer, but I said, well, because <laughs> we get the detail, John tells us they look like frogs.
that's really clearly Armageddon, which we'll get to in a few verses. But then comes verse 15, really kind of out of nowhere in my mind. Behold, I come like a thief. Who said that before? Jesus. 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 And what occasion, what occasion is he talking about? The first time he said in Matthew 24, 25. When he comes back. His return. To take the bride. Right. He's talking about the rapture there, right? Behold, I come like a thief. People who aren't in love with me, people who don't pay attention to my word, are going to be shocked when I come on the clouds and take my people out here. It'll be like a thief. You don't know when he's coming. You know, when he sneaks up on you and boom, it happens. So the first time Jesus shares that prophetic word, he's talking about the rapture. Is he talking about the rapture here? He says, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Now, is Jesus talking about physical clothes and running around, you know, streaking? No. What clothes is he talking about? Spiritual clothes. Spiritual clothes. Righteousness. The, the robe of righteousness literally is what he's talking about. So he says, make sure you've got that on. You don't want to go around naked. You don't want to go around without the righteousness of God upon you. Because then you'll be exposed as what? A sinner who's not saved by grace. Um, my question is, and it's not just mine. Bible scholars for 2,000 years have been like, why this now? Why here? Because are we talking about the rapture? This portion in... Revelation 16, let's go back to the timeline. Oh, timeline. Yep. Coming. I think. Um, and the rapture's back here. Down, so you're ready. We're down here. So why is why does John put this quote in here at this moment? It's odd. Don't want to come like a thief. Blesses he who stays awake, keeps his clothes with him. I mean, who's on the planet that is wearing the righteousness of Jesus right now? The Antichrist. <laughs> Satan. Wearing, wearing the righteousness of Jesus that has the white robe. I mean, who's on the planet at this moment? Oh, Jesus. The sixth bowl. I mean, we're out here in the rapture, right? Who's on the planet that's wearing the righteousness of Christ right now? 140,000. 144,000, sorry. I left 4,000 of them off. 144,000, good. Maybe a tiny, tiny, tiny remnant of some other folks who haven't taken the mark, maybe gotten saved along the way. Um, so I guess that's who it's for. So this is pretty amazing. So Satan is gathering rebellious kings and armies from all over the world to come against Jesus uh, at Megiddo. It's like, I don't know, if I remember right, it's like 50, 60 miles north of Jerusalem. It's this valley where it's, it's a perfect place to do battle, especially in old times when you're doing horses and chariots and tons of foot soldiers. Uh, many, many epic battles have happened there through the centuries. So is Jesus about to show up like a thief? Is he going to surprise them? Uh, I guess we'll find out in a little bit how he handles this, this battle. 
yeah, they're going to be surprised. They're going to be shocked. They, they somehow believe. You know, they believe the miracles and stuff from the frog spirits. They believe that we've got the power. This is when we're finally going to take him down. So to them, Jesus is going to come like a thief and snatch the victory from them. And the few who are on the planet who are wearing the, the, the righteousness of Christ, he says, hang on. Hang on to that. Hang on to me. Because I'm coming like a thief for the rest. So as we process it, it, it starts to make pretty good sense. But boy, because it's a direct quote from earlier about the rapture, it kind of throws us off for a little bit there, right? comments or questions about verse 15. It's really a unique verse in the whole book of Revelation as far as we're, we're rolling along and hearing about a certain event and all of a sudden this direct statement from Jesus pops in. Okay, let's go on to verse 16. We'll get to the seventh bowl here. Then they is the frogs, the frog demons, they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. I guess there's a, there's some human habitation not, I mean, kind of overlooking this valley, and there's a McDonald's there. You can look out the windows of McDonald's down into the valley of Armageddon. Mm -hmm. Joel Rosenberg, when he takes people, and he used to, I don't know if he does anymore, but COVID, take Christians on tours through Israel, and we take them to Armageddon, and they'd have lunch at the McDonald's, mm -hmm. look down at the Valley of Armageddon. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> Too crazy. So it's um, an amazing place, about 50, 60 miles north of Jerusalem, verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the, where? The air. That's really different, right? So far, it's been on people, on the uh, Antichrist kingdom, on the river Euphrates. This time, it's into the air. Try and keep that in mind and see if that makes some sense for us here in a minute. So he poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. What's the it? What is done? Before that, these these seven bowls are full of the the last what, the last wrath of God. So if it is done, what's God declared? Done on earth. With this bowl, my wrath is done on the planet. We're we're wrapping this thing up. What does it sound like to us? Another famous it is, but not done. It is finished. finished. What what did Jesus finish on the cross that he was making that declaration? Finished payment for sin, finished all that was needed for our salvation and redemption. That's that's an amazing moment for us, right? To hear him say, it is finished. And then probably his next words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Like that he breathed his last. So this is really, really similar. So that was finishing payment for salvation. This is finishing wrath. 
end of human history. It is done. Verse 18. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city, probably referring to Right. We would, we would, Babylon is a possibility. Um, and then as mentioned here in the next verse, a lot of times it's possible also Jerusalem is called the great city on a number of occasions in scripture. So interesting. We'll, we'll hold that lightly. So the great city split into three parts. And the cities of the nations collapsed. So is this a localized earthquake? No, it's worldwide. The cities of the nations, plural, plural, collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great. So it kind of sounds like the great city is different than Babylon. So that's why we kind of lean towards Jerusalem. God remembered Babylon the great, gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. And so... We'll get into Babylon in a lot more detail here coming up real soon. But remember who Babylon represents? Babylon represents all the false worship, all the false religions the world has ever known, basically. Plenty of them. Uh, Babylon represents... Every false belief, every rejection of God is God. So God remember Babylon. It also, it's really slippery. Uh, also, it's described in Revelation coming up as the great uh, Babylon, the great Babylon city. Though I think it, well, we'll get into that in more detail. But what, what cities could represent Babylon? Cities where that represents false religions and stuff like that. Want to be careful with it. We could say Rome. Be careful with that. There's, there's, it's pretty easy to bash folks in the Catholic faith and stuff. So I want to be careful with that. Because <clears throat> I know some Catholics who are bona fide Out of their doctrine does not lead people to Christ for salvation. So some people, it's a pretty easy target to pound on Rome. Uh, but there's certainly others. I could, for America, I could lift up New York City. Um, when you read the histories and stuff, New York City has led the way. In America, we think of California and San Francisco and stuff, but, but New York City usually leads the way. God stuff. Um, the most horrible. First first for abortion was New York. Um, first to advance abortion up to the moment that the baby is born and breathes, New York. First to say, well, you know, if you were trying to abort the baby and it manages to escape the womb alive, you can let it, you know, let it die. New York City. Um, just UN has a special <coughs> educational branch. They started with, with 3D printers. They started recreating.
locating the gate of uh, Temple of Baal in the Middle East, and they started bringing it all over the world to educate the people and to encourage peace and tolerance and stuff like that. The first city went up and was it's the Empire State Building. You can light that thing up from top to bottom. You can use um, computer programmed faces on the Empire State Building. You can recognize them. It's so amazing. So they, I don't know what the occasion was. Was it New Year's Eve or something? There was some occasion three or four years ago, and they put up top to bottom, the entire building was uh, one of the Hindu gods. Of you know evil and death and stuff. I mean, they got like thousands of them, but it was one of the most recognizable wicked Hindu gods, and that was on the Empire State Building, top to bottom. New York just leads the way. We don't. We're so far removed from New York. We don't. We're not really aware of all the stuff that's going on there. But um, anti-Semitism in America, hatred for the Jews, capital is New York City. All kinds of stuff. So there, there are. There are places like that all over the planet that you could say Babylon. It sounds kind of like Babylon. And I think it, it uh, all of those are going to be included in this. So it says in verse 19, the great cities stood in three parts, Jerusalem probably. The cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. So it sounds like who gets the, the worst of it? Babylon gets the worst of it. Verse 20, every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. So that's the impact of this earthquake. Flatland. Right? So the tectonic plates, I mean, everything is just so, what formed the mountains? Well, at the end of the flood, the tectonic plates with all the volcanic activity and the crust of the earth, God smashed underground water reservoirs so water came shooting up from below and came down from above and rain, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the whole planet was in upheaval during the flood. And at the end, the, the mountain ranges were formed when some of those tectonic plates went okay? So in this earthquake, it's almost kind of like loosening up of the tectonic plates, and the mountains are going to Uh, when the mountains come down, you know, so why do the, the islands leave? The islands go away. Does the water level rise then? Displacement. Maybe they sink. A lot of the islands are volcanic formed. Well, anyway. Well, a lot of New York City is an island. Yeah, true that. Mm -hmm. So, again, you know, utter devastation. So it makes sense when God says, it's done. This is going to finish. This is going to wrap it up. And just for icing <coughs> on the cake, I guess, does it say? That's a joke. From the sky, huge hailstones <laughs> of about 100 pounds each fell upon men. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hail. Mm. So we're, we're a little shocked that some people survived the earthquake. Apparently some do. And the ground beneath you is just going 
for Zerko, and then from above, 100-pound hailstones. Um, God ever used hailstones before in the Bible? Joshua chapter 10, verse 10. Sometimes when I take the kids bowling, I do this passage for the Devo. Ask them, God ever go bowling? Well, Joshua chapter 10, verse 9. After an all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. Verse 10, the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. He defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them all on the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. Am I in the right chapter? Hmm. Here it is, verse 11. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. More of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. So why would, why would God finish of literally stones from heaven. How many Christians were stoned? Okay, good. We'll get that. <clears throat> How many Christians have been stoned? Okay. Who was the very first martyr stoned in the New Testament? Stephen. So again, you know, just, true and just. God's judgments, are they true and just? Are they fair? They are, they are appropriate. Uh, so, can can there ever be a meteorological, you know, a bizarre storm where a hundred pound rocks fall from heaven on the people? Can that ever be? <coughs> so, the, so, the final act of God's wrath, are people going to know for sure where it's coming from? It's extended wrath. Is there going to be anybody on TV going, well, I think this is a natural phenomenon? So this is it. And so what's interesting is, what did we not hear about? What were the armies gathering to do? They're coming to, to war against the Lamb. And, and what do we not hear about at the end of war. chapter 16? We don't learn about the battle. Well, it's later. It's like in chapter 19 or something. We have this focus on Babylon for a couple of chapters. And then we get the, oh, by the way, here's here's what happened in Armageddon. So when does Armageddon happen in relation to this earthquake and stuff? Well, keep that in mind. We'll try and answer that later. Because okay? now that I ask the question, I can't remember the answer for sure myself. <laughs> Maybe the earthquake is a part of it. Maybe the hailstones are a part of it. Um, we'll, we'll try and answer that. Okay? My, my illustration, mm -hmm. wrapping up chapter 16 there. Last bowl, seventh bowl, it is done. Earthquake, it's all squiggly lines showing, right? And then the final aspect of that, massive 100-pound rock hailstones to finish things off. That's interesting. I, I've never. Have you ever been just completely enraged? Part of that, you pick something up and 
not too much, right? Anything else at the end of chapter 16? Yes, Kathy. What was that? Finish. So there's a. Yeah, just quick Google the differences between the word done and finish. And finish means more accomplished activity. And done means brought to an end. So appropriately used on the cross and then used at the end. Thank you. Good other stuff. next illustration up there just to get a pre-people. There she is. There's Babylon. She goes with the description we're about to read and she's writing on the beast that she's playing with. The beast is the seven-headed kingdom and that uh, Antichrist rules and uses for his ends. So what's looks lovely, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's it's faithful to the description. So let's see. Lord has for us here as we open this, this door. Chapter 17, verse 1. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, as he just poured out here, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. <clears throat> okay. So again, so prostitute. What kind of prostitution are we talking about? Are we talking... She's a madam of an actual physical brothel. That's not what we're talking about here. The great prostitute. What's the prostitute re prostitution referred to? False religions. Yeah, Babylon and so false worship. So God created us to worship and have relationship with him and the bride of Christ to be married to him, to have him as our one and only. Amen? Mm -hmm. So whenever we worship other gods or, or, you know, choose not to worship the true God and worship other gods we're committing spiritual adultery. Um, someone who entices us to worship other gods would be a harlot, a prostitute, enticing us to, away from Christ. Okay? <clears throat> so it says, come, I'll show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. And you go, well, what's this many waters thing? Jump over to verse 15, quick, and that will answer it for us. Verse 15 says, Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So she sits on waters. It's portraying that this covers the whole. Everybody on the planet's involved, all languages, all peoples. She has this, this um, enticer of people away from Christ has had influence all over the Let's go back to verse 1 there. Come, I'll show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. Verse 2. 
with her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. So that's an interesting description, right? So it's one thing that the kings, the kings really uh, wanted to have relationship with anti-God, other gods. They didn't want to have the true God as their God. So they wanted to have a relationship with that. So that's what that's talking about. But then what's this, in the inhabitants of the earth, not just the kings, the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. What's that describing there? Intoxication, what is that describing? Drunkenness. So what's what's a good description of the state of drunkenness? We're not using our, our reason much. We're we're just kind of dopey and blindly following whatever's in front of us. Um, interesting description of people carried away by false religions. <clears throat> Intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. See, I haven't. I would never describe this. It wouldn't occur to me. But what do we see in America today? People are, are getting drunk with any any idea that's against God and against His word. So, um, transgender men should be able to swim in competitions and win and shatter records and win gold medals in women's competitions. What's the world doing with that? Oh, that's so wonderful. You be you. You're a woman because you think you want to be. We're, we're intoxicated. It's drunkenness. It's stupidity. <clears throat> what are we? So whatever the devil is put in front of people now in the world, they're just like, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. So far from the truth, and it's damaging. And if you stand up and say, that's drunken ridiculousness, what does the world say back to you? Hate monger, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's where we're at when the press is glorifying drunken ridiculousness. Anybody who's sober and speaking the truth gets major pushback and hate dump on them. So, so the more we dig through this, the more I, well, it's God's word, right? The more I'm like, boy, this is, this is helpful. So what's the other thing? When you're trying to deal with somebody who's drunk, what do you realize as a sober person? What do I, what do I need to do to get anywhere with this person? Wait until, wait until they sober up. How do you do that when the world is drinking lies, anti-God stuff? But it's not a literal wine drinking. Yeah. How, how do we wait? Is waiting going to help them get sober? Are they going to get sober tomorrow because we waited and let them sleep off? They can't. But it's spiritual stuff. So this is, this is boy, the more we dig, I think this is a really helpful analogy. So man alive, this informs our prayer life. How do we pray for people? drunk in the intoxicating wines of Babylon. The Holy Spirit will somehow help them sober up. Help them to have a moment of mental clarity where they recognize
because even the NCAA has been called on this transgender guy winning all these those crushing records. He swims one of those. He swims one of those like ten minute long marathon kind of events, and the, and, the, and the press won't touch it. They won't even report on those races. He crushes the women five minutes, ten minutes, crushes them. And these are high level mm -hmm. athletic women. Crushes in that event. Um, one swim expert watched him in that event, and he said he was coasting, so he didn't beat them any worse than he. Wasn't full stroke for a lot of the race because he knew he was just blown away. And the NCA was pushed on that, and they were like, "No, no, no, no." So the intoxication can be intense. It is right now. So with it, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated in <coughs> light of her adulteries. Mm -hmm. Verse three, and the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. Who's talking about? Who was carried away into the spirit? John. The angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. He has been seeing the woman of Babylon sitting over many waters, all kinds of peoples. Now the spirit brings him into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names had seven heads and ten horns. So, again, who's the beast with this seven heads and ten horns? Yeah, it's the Antichrist and his his earthly, I guess we call it a beast kingdom. It's, it's the political king's leaders, players, who are primarily under his authority and help carry out his earthly so the scarlet, um, the Babylon woman, the prostitute is riding. She's hanging out with the beast. She's she's part of the team. Verse four, and we'll wrap here. Uh, just so you get, you can put my illustration up there. Probably still miss. So here's why the illustration looks the way it does. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet. I tried to do those colors on the arms stretched out. Dressed in purple and scarlet, was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. Those are pearls around her neck and around her wrists. The kids are like, those are jewels? Yes. <laughs> precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. So mm -hmm. what symbol did I put on the cup? Upside down cross. Just the opposite of righteousness and goodness <clears throat> and truth. Drinks from that all the time. This title was written on her forehead, and I did not know this, but in, in ancient biblical times, uh, prostitutes, especially temple prostitutes, they wore jewelry on their head that went over over their ears, and then it went across their foreheads, and their name was in their oh. necklace across their foreheads. Hmm. So this is this is what John is seeing, seeing the prostitute. So it says, this title was written on her forehead, Mystery, Babylon the Great, Mother of Prostitutes and of the Abominations of the Earth. We'll get back to Babylon, not next Sunday, because next Sunday glory is Easter. And the Sunday after that, we'll come back to Babylon. Let's pray.
Almighty God, we thank you for Jesus finishing all that needed to be accomplished for our salvation and for defeating uh, death, the worst weapon of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you that there will be a moment when your wrath is finally done and you can rest from that and uh, walk away from it and move on to better and brighter things, which we look forward to as well. God bless our Palm Sunday worship now and Tom Engham, the message and all you want to do in us today. In Jesus' precious name, amen.